Are you looking to grow revenues, increase profitability, or obtain financing? If so, you came to the right place. Running a business is all about leadership. How do you become a better leader? Learn from the successful entrepreneurs and business owners how to lead your organization more effectively. That's why we created Leadership Live at 805, Talking Small Business, to help you succeed with your host, Andrew Frazier, business growth pro and CFO and founder of the Small Business Pro University. Every Tuesday evening at 8 p.m. Eastern, we're joined by experienced entrepreneurs and business owners who share their secrets to success via live stream. Also, every Friday morning, we release a new podcast episode. Either way, you will learn about developing your business leadership skills from our roster of highly performing guest experts. Leadership Live is one of the many valuable resources provided through the Small Business Pro University, empowering business owners to learn, profit, and grow. Find out more at sbprou.com. Welcome back to Leadership Live at 805, Talking Small Business. I'm your host, Andrew Frazier. Once again, excited to be here to hang out with you on Tuesday evening and really just talk about small business with a thought leader in the area. Um, you know, as you know, there's so many things you need to know as a business owner that it's impossible to know everything. That's one of the reasons why we do Leadership Live, to really introduce you to business leaders. Um, you can develop your skills, learn, and hopefully this will help you become a better leader of your organization because your business can only go as far as you're prepared to take it. So you have to continually learn and develop and create and you know gain new skills and new expertise. So that's what tonight's all about. Um, really like tonight's topic. Um, it's called Managing Perceptions to Access Greater Opportunities. This is really our first time covering this topic in almost three years. So definitely it's great to have our guest, Dr. Michelle Scott here, who's really had an opportunity to um, experience and work with people in the U.S., across the U.S. and internationally. And some of the things that she's learned uh, can be extremely valuable in being able to successfully work with people um, develop relationships and really be able to access greater opportunities. And that's what we're all looking for. So very excited about having her on tonight. So let me bring her on. Hey, Michelle, how are you doing tonight? Doing just fine, Andrew. How are you? I'm excellent. I'm excellent. Thanks for taking the time out of your busy schedule to hang out. Well, thank you for the opportunity. Okay. You know, you've, you've done so many things and you've been involved in so many things. You know, I can't really do justice to, um, you know, to really what you've done in your background experience. So what I'm going to do is let you talk a little bit about your journey to give people a better feel for kind of where you're coming from and where you are now. Sound good? Sounds good. Sure. All right. Okay. Some people might say I've flown under the radar in a sense, and especially since I spent uh, the last seven years over in, in China since last, um, let's see, I came back here last 
July. And so for seven years, I've lived over there. And it seemed like when I came back, I had to start over again as far as building some relationships were concerned. So it's kind of under the radar. But, um, you know, as far as my journey is concerned, thinking back uh, to uh, really, you know, just choosing the university I chose for undergraduate. I don't want people to think any less of me, but I went to a historically black university, but I didn't know that when I chose the university and uh, chose them quite intentionally because I was leaving high school after three years. And again, tell my age a little bit, but uh, back then, not too many colleges would accept you after three years of high school. So I went to Delaware State University and uh, graduated with a degree in business administration so that I'd have as many opportunities as possible when I graduated. And uh, but uh, as I graduated, I started thinking about uh, whether I would stay in Delaware where there were no sales taxes. And I still talk to people as they're thinking about moving their businesses, et cetera, and starting up businesses that you think about Delaware, no sales tax. And so that was one of the reasons I chose Delaware and also, you know, just to be able to go there again after three years of high school. But uh, after leaving, um, Delaware State, I had to think about really what I wanted to do in life. And I decided then that I wanted to get into uh, programming and IT and had an opportunity to do that and working at Prudential here in New Jersey. And um, definitely where I was working in Prudential in Roseland, it was only one building out there. So they have a whole campus out there now. But I worked in IT and uh, worked in New Jersey for a, a little while until I got the itch to get into New York and uh, had done a few things in New York, been able to travel to New York for shows and things like that and knew about Wall Street banking, corporate banking over there. So I definitely wanted to get into that and have an opportunity to do that at uh, Manny Hanny, which is now part of your JP Morgan Chase. So I was doing corporate banking over there and uh, working in IT. Uh, then I went over to Bankers Trust, which became part of, Manu uh, excuse me, became part of Deutsche Bank. Uh, Deutsche Bank took over um, you know, Bankers Trust uh, back there just before uh, Y2K. And again, uh, telling my age a little bit there. But uh, I was in IT and um, you know, I learned how to raise my hand very early on. And so when there were opportunities, I didn't care what it was. And my mother taught me to act quickly because I used to procrastinate a lot with projects and things like that and miss out on a lot of opportunities because I didn't, uh, you know, jump at it and, be, you know, definitely uh, first to market and things like that. So I started raising my hand for different opportunities working at Deutsche Bank. Uh, one opportunity was basically to get... Uh, um, certified in project management. And I started out doing that online and found the opportunity to do that in person out of Stanford University. And uh, I became a, a bit of a, um, a fan of the university uh, climates and um, early on with Girl Scouts going to different universities. And so I liked the campuses. And so I went out to Stanford for a couple of weeks. And if you ask me today, if there's a company, an organization, if they called me today, would I jump up and go? It would be Stanford University. 
I would say, over anything else or anywhere else. Uh, loved it out there, the atmosphere. But again, uh, Deutsche Bank uh, sent me out there, got certified in project management, came back and started managing more of their projects at the organization, internal and external projects with customers as well. Uh, had opportunities to look at our quality management. And so uh, we wanted to get certified. And ISO certification basically was something that was universal, recognized around the world. Customers were looking for companies that basically said they, the customers first, you know, and uh, they could prove it by you know, their actions and what they had achieved and uh, by the problems that they had fixed and uh, et cetera. So uh, ISO certification had an opportunity to basically learn how to go through the certification process and then manage that pro project there. And I did that and did it pretty well and then um, looked for other opportunities as well. So uh definitely there was a bank um you know with deutsche bank that really had a value of education and uh, i knew that uh, from knowing their culture and uh, i also raised my hand in order to get the opportunity to go back to school for my doctorate today you will not find university, uh, excuse me, companies that will pay for a doctorate. They're barely paying for your master's these days. But, uh, you know, Deutsche Bank paid for my doctorate. So I tell people that no matter what happens, I have nothing to say that is negative about Deutsche Bank. You know, they paid for my doctorate at George Washington University. During a time that I was working on my doctorate, I was still working full time and then I had an opportunity to learn some other things in the organization. So, you know, they developed us inside and outside of the organization. So I also started doing work in terms of Six Sigma. Uh, if you know anything about corporate America, they will have flavors of the month where there are certain things that are certain initiatives and opportunities they will give you basically, and it would be there for a couple of years. And then after a couple of years, it would change. And Six Sigma was one of those opportunities where they trained everyone in the organization of Six Sigma. Go out there, find out how you can make the organization more efficient, cut the costs, yes, increase the revenue and the profits, and uh, definitely, you know, build a name for yourself. So we all went through the uh, white belt and yellow belt training. And then they asked, was there anyone who's interested in going further? And further meaning becoming green belt and then becoming a black belt and raised my hand again. And so this is a type of, um, I would say, um, you know, behavior that I practice that has, you know, really given me a lot of opportunities in life. Uh, by not sitting back and, and mulling over things and sometimes, you know, not knowing what I'm in for, but definitely raising my hand to do things. Um, I finished up my doctorate. Okay. That was the beginning of 2011, and I left there and decided to do some work in Main Street. And uh, I guess we'll talk more about that in a few seconds. Yeah, no, definitely. Definitely we'll talk more about that. But I, I think you... You shared a couple key things. You know, one key theme is that that you volunteer yourself, mm -hmm. or you're willing to take on an opportunity, even if you don't really know what it's going to lead to. For um, sure. 
And I think that's something business owners need to do as well. Um, you know, I know that I've taken on some, some, some projects, you know, if they're looking, you know, whatever your customer needs, um, if you can do it, or if you can figure out how to do it, you should do it. Um, and yes. you know, it can lead you in interesting directions. So definitely, um, it, even though I was in, in the Navy and, you know, sometimes I used to say the Navy stood for never again, volunteer yourself. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh boy! you know, um, you know, definitely, you know, being able to, to volunteer, um, gives you access to opportunities. So, um, you know, definitely you were getting ready to tell us a little bit about your, um, most recent voluntary endeavor that really took you across the globe. So, um, why don't you take a minute to share a little bit more about that? And then we'll dig into the topic of managing perceptions to access greater opportunities. For sure. Okay. So, you know, leaving Wall Street and uh, getting out there into Main Street, doing work with nonprofits and also in the universities, it was something new for me. And uh, in the very beginning, I had to uh, decide to do some things for free so that people could see, even though, uh, you know, I am out of my element, you know, in terms of, uh, you know, the skill sets, et cetera, that I did have value to add. But things did not come as easily as I expected them to come. And um, as I shared a little bit earlier, becoming an adjunct professor, I had to get used to taking sort of what I call the crumbs from the table, whatever was left over after the um, the tenured professors took their courses, then I'd be able to teach. But I also did some work in the city for um, the city of Newark. Uh, Cory Booker was in office and uh, he had a, an organization called Brick City Development Corp. And uh, actually someone raised my hand for me basically when they needed some people to actually teach the workshops, teach the, um, the entrepreneurs out there how to you know, either grow their business, scale their business, or some of them were just starting the business. I took the opportunity to go ahead and do that. And uh, so I was able to work with nearly 500, over 500 entrepreneurs in the city of Newark, uh, working along with my friend uh, Floyd Townsend and doing that. And uh, continuing to do some adjunct work there. And I'm not sure which one was a side hustle, but I was doing both. And uh, I wound up getting an opportunity to teach at Fairleigh Dickinson University. And there is where things started to really grow and sprout over there. Uh, again, uh, I was an adjunct over there, but when they were looking for someone to go over to China to teach uh, a marketing course during the summer for a study abroad program, I raised my hand. I never thought they would choose me though. Uh, you, you have to know me and uh, I'm a homebody. And so I would go to Texas to visit my brother and spend one night and go back home. And so I had to be at home. So I went over to China for that summer. My sister-in-law came over there to make sure I was actually over there. But this was an opportunity to, again, experience a new culture that I never thought existed. You know, I, I went over there not even knew, knowing whether they drove cars or not. 
But when I got over there, I wanted to continue to give back to the community as I started doing over here. And uh, so I thought, oh, let me go over. Uh, surely I can go over there and feed the homeless. Only to ask about that and people tell me that we'd ha we have no homeless. I said, you, you have no homeless, what do you do? You know, you gotta have people who don't have any money, people living in poverty. And they taught me and, and that's where basically I started managing perceptions about what I thought about the folks in China. And basically, you know, they basically take those folks and dress them up and teach them some trade and, and send them back home. And uh, so they were not homeless. And so, you know, that started me learning more about this new culture that had become part of. I spent the summer there and thought when I came back home, maybe I'll go back the next summer. But a couple of weeks later, I got a call from Rutgers University. We heard you were over in China. We've just started a program over there. Would you move over there and teach for us over there? And uh, they wanted me to teach public administration. I said, well, I've never taught public administration. Of course you can do that though. And I said, yeah, I'll do that. And I uh, went over there and started teaching public administration. And a few years down the road after teaching over there for a couple of years, I was asked to take on the role of the executive vice dean. And, uh, you know, again, I said, I've never been an administrator. never thought I could be an administrator in higher education. And, uh, you know, definitely I had someone in my corner, Jerome Williams, who was a provost at the time, amazing man. And uh, he basically said, you can do this. And uh, it didn't take much to convince me that I had skill sets to do it, interviewed with the folks and I got it done. And uh, really, you know, taught me some things about myself uh, that I was also selling myself short in some ways. I was raising my hand, but sometimes I just didn't have the confidence uh, to push through uh, some of these walls and get some things done. But definitely going to China, I, you know, use, you know, all types of skill sets that I didn't know I had and uh, learning things that I definitely didn't know exist uh, to make a difference over there. So that was really my first foray into getting into another country, starting to manage some perceptions that I had. Okay, great, great. So definitely, you know, you're looking at your perceptions of them, because it's interesting because everybody has perceptions. So you have perceptions of people, but people also have perceptions of you. Right. And it's important to manage them both. Um, and, um, you know, a, a lot of times, probably coming from the United States, and you know, you may have um, inaccurate perceptions of what's mm -hmm. going on in many places in the rest of the world based on sure. just what we have access to. Um, but I'm sure bringing that awareness back to the US, um, what has that made you more attuned to in terms of? perceptions and, and looking thing, looking at things um, now that you're back. Yeah. So the experience meant something. Being there, going there meant something. I mean, we, we definitely have, um, you know, social media today uh, that we are, you know, just uh, from every side, you know, we're hit with all kinds of 
alternative facts about things. <laughs> yes. Okay. And so we have no choice but to believe them. And, uh, you know, for me, I learned very early on, even before going to China, that I have perceptions even about the south side of Newark. And, uh, you know, not going over there thinking what's going to happen to me if I go over there and having to go there and uh, learn what was happening, see it and observe it for myself. And then I'm able to share from my experience. So coming back from China, you know, I will tell you in a second when I introduce myself to someone or start talking to someone about what I've been doing, Right away, I will tell them, I just got back from China seven years over there. Huh? <laughs> and, you know, the, the first, you know, first question is, you speak the language? No. <laughs> you know, and, uh, you know, I tell them about how I function over there without speaking the language. But I also tell them about the truths that are learned over there. You know, whether it's telling them about the truth, about why you, we may have students coming over here from China to get their graduate degrees and then getting these jobs and then going back home, why they're doing that. And not always stealing our ideas and our innovations, but going back home to take care of their parents and one of the, you know, really looking at the customs or the culture over there, you know, the families is very important to them. And uh, so the things that I've learned over in China and, and how it's helped me to not only, you know, be um, someone who is excellent in the classroom, someone who's a great administrator, but also someone who's able to help out others when we have these perceptions about, you know, what's happening on the other side of the earth. What do they like and what do they want, you know, and um, how can we satisfy them in our businesses, et cetera. I've seen it. I've lived it. And so, you know, that's firsthand information. And so I'm more of a credible resource now for folks and uh, for myself as well. So it's helped me in that sense. Okay, excellent, excellent. So um, we've got an interesting question here um, from Jacqueline. Um, and I'm putting it on screen because it's a little bit long. Okay. Uh, but would would appreciate your take on I have some thoughts, but um, I guess Wayne Dyer, and mm -hmm. I'm not really sure who he is, not sure if yeah. you know who he is, yes. um, says, whatever anyone thinks of you is none of your business. How do you balance that in the place, in the workplace, when their perception of you is prefaced on numbers and biases? Yeah, true, true. So, you know, definitely, Jacqueline, um, Growing up, you know, you, if you look at me today, you'll probably say, yeah, you, you're telling me you used to weigh 235 pounds and everything, and basically you were a wallflower and all that. Uh, yes, I, I was a bit different, and my mother had to really instill in me that I was good enough, you know, uh, and that I could be confident in what I could do and not really think about what people thought. And uh, so, you know, I grew up with that mindset and uh, definitely learned after a while that it mattered what people thought. And, uh, you know, not just being in your own business and trying to 
really uh, being a, a credible resource, et cetera. But in Wall working in Wall Street banking, it mattered. Um, I didn't go as far as, you know, faking it till I made it, you know, that that died. And, you know, and I, I learned that I have to be authentic. Okay. But I wanted people to know who I was and accept me for who I was. And so earn things on my own merit. It was not always, uh, you know, uh, meritocracy. But definitely authenticity meant a lot. And that meant people had to know who you were and uh, had to accept you and respect you for who you are. And I've learned the same thing about, you know, folks from other countries learning who they are, what their culture is, and respecting them for that. Or, you know, definitely realizing that I wouldn't have a relationship with them. You know, and, uh, you know, definitely when we are talking about Six Sigma, we're talking about the facts and we're talking about data and uh, we're talking about making decisions based on the facts and data. And that's what I want people to do. And as far as I am concerned, as far as my business is concerned, to make decisions that are fact-based decisions, not based on some, you know, uh, ideal okay or some you know basic uh you know facade that i put up so i realized that it's extremely important you know what people think now am i going to change and uh adapt to be something that is totally against my core values i wouldn't do that you know i just taught uh classes this morning actually and uh talked to the students about choosing companies that they work for, choosing uh, stakeholders that they have, choosing your communities, et cetera. You know, there are going to be times that you need to adapt, but you need to know what your starting place and your starting point is. And a lot of times people will want to, you know, know that as well. And they want to, you know, buy into that story about you and it has to be authentic. So, you know, hopefully, Jacqueline, um, that's helped you, you know, just really understand me a little bit better. And uh, hopefully it answer your question. Okay. No, great, great response. I mean, definitely as a business owner, um, you know, relationships are important. So, um, you know, to have a good relationship, it helps to be authentic, um, but also, you know, it's important to understand, you know, how people look at you and how best to communicate with them, especially if you're marketing and selling. It's all about understanding the customer True. Um, thoroughly. And um, so, you know, so definitely those are key things. Um, so thanks again, Jacqueline, for your question. And I'm glad mm -hmm. that um, Dr. Michelle gave you a um, great response. So. I'm going to take a quick minute. Um, you know, we already got into the show fairly far, but um, you know, I do this through the Small Business Pro University. So um, I have a short video to show what that is, as well as um, you know, there's two things I want to just make you aware of um, coming up. You know, number one is on Thursday, we've got a um, webinar on can I sell my business and how much is, is it worth? I've got the link in the chat on Thursday at noon. Um, definitely an important topic for many business owners. Um, something you should think about 
wherever you are along your business journey because you you want to think work with the think with the end in mind um and then also you know we have our small business pro network um so join us um where entrepreneurs go to learn collaborate and grow you know we're building our community with different resources connections and events and activities for entrepreneurs and business owners so Welcome to join us. And then just real quick, something about the Small Business Pro University, and then I'll be back with Dr. Michelle Scott talking small business. Do you own your business or does it own you? Is your business growing and are you making enough money? As a business owner, there are so many things you need to know to become more successful. Hello, my name is Andrew Frazier, the business growth pro and CFO. I created the Small Business Pro University for you. Small Business Pro University has self-paced, dynamic, multimedia learning experiences created by more than 20 instructors who are business owners just like you. Small Business Pro University will empower you to become a masterpreneur by learning the secrets to creating a successful enterprise to go from working in your business to working on your business. Take advantage of our strategic coaching program or just simply choose the courses that you need at www.sbprou.com we will empower you to thrive and not just survive and make more money in any business environment hey good afternoon uh good evening welcome back um so michelle we're talking about managing perceptions to access opportunities now you know a lot of times I like to define what we're talking about. So, mm-hmm. you know, if you were to say, you know, what is a perception? What does it mean? Um, you know, when we say perception, how would you define that? Or what would you say? It is? Yeah. So when I look at per- perception, definitely we look at what people see in you and uh, see in your business. What lens are they using to see you? And uh, what are they seeing and what are they understanding about you? Uh, You know, that can be based on any type of beliefs they have that have uh, emanated from, again, social media, emanated from experiences that they have, emanated from basically, you know, what they uh, think uh, you had to do and how they think you are making decisions. And uh, so... You know, definitely, uh, you know, it's based on these feelings and these lenses that people are using. And uh, when we try to manage those perceptions, we want to make sure that it's an accurate lens. And it's like, you know, I've, I've worn glasses since I was like four years old. I understood I used to walk into telephone poles and things like that. And so I've had to wear glasses and you go to the eye doctor. And if you've gone to the eye doctor, you know, they, they, they put these lenses up there and, you know, better or worse, better or worse. I've never been able to get that right, you know, and sometimes walked out of there with the wrong prescription. And so we have to do the same thing as far as perceptions are concerned and on uh, trying to manage them and making sure people have the correct lens that they're using when they see you. And maybe they understand the, the uh, you know, some of the inners about you, you know, some of the cultures, some of the reasons why. And I heard someone on your show not too long ago, Andrew, talking about what we are selling. We should be selling the why and that, that 
that purpose sometimes is something that also explains and, and helps manage, you know, how people see you and uh, the lens they see you through. Great, great. So, you know, definitely, you know, when, when you're talking to people, you know, I, that lines up with, you know, people buy from you because they know, like, and trust you. So your job's to have them get to know, like, and trust you. But how can you do that if you don't really understand how the perception they have of you to figure out how to do that? True. Um, True. So what what are some things you learned about how people perceive you in China and what type of adjustments uh, had, did you make as a result? Okay. So I would say um, first experience over in China, you know, I... Um, taught during the summer, taught a marketing course, smaller class, more intimate and everything. Um, students took me on a field trip, never had that happen before, but they thought I was cool <laughs> and they thought I was energetic, you know? And so I, you know, took hold of that, not really knowing about the culture and how, uh, you know, folks over there, and especially women, they were more toned down in how they delivered and everything. So I was a little bit different, but basically the students got a good idea of what they could expect really here in the United States uh, as far as an American, you know, professor was concerned. And then as far as a woman was concerned as well. I uh, remember when I moved over to China, though, to teach in uh, Changchun, and Changchun is in the northeast part of China, and it's uh, very cold up there, and uh, two or three months out of the year, it goes down to 20 to 30 degrees below zero. And uh, I was walking, <laughs> you know, did not even trust driving. Driving over there is like New York on steroids. Uh, so I was walking over there, and uh, but... Uh, I ran into a situation where I basically got to know my students a little bit better. It was more like a boarding school type of situation. And, uh, you know, the first question I would tell you that one of the students asked after I introduced myself to them, uh, the young man stood up and asked me how old I was. And I just thought, oh, my God, is, you know, China going to be like this? And uh, didn't have to answer that question. And the dean at the time put, pulled the young man to the side. But uh, I would say the second question that I was asked was, you know, Dr. Scott, you have a gun, right? And I said, no, I don't have a gun. Doesn't everybody in the United States have guns, Dr. Scott? No, we don't all have guns. I'm scared to death guns. You got to be kidding me. But uh, basically... You know, my students would tell you, and very consistently, and even over here in the United States, though, but the students definitely in China would say that I was cool and uh, very energetic, you know, in the classroom, walking up and down the aisles and everything, and, uh, you know, not afraid of the students, and definitely there I was approachable and very consistent. And so that's something that definitely stood out. And, uh, you know, definitely it was something that I carried back here with me as well. And uh, it's something that uh, you have to be in these days, and especially as people start looking at you and start looking at your age and wondering, you know, are you going to be able to make it 
you know, uh, through the, whatever you're doing. And uh, once you get a certain age, or do you care about people uh, different ages? And are you able to meet those different needs? And so I've been able to basically, between generations, be very effective. And I think that's very important and, and definitely something that we need to look at as far as our audience is concerned and our customers are concerned. And, you know, basically, do we have that type of energy? Are we the typical, you know, uh, you know entrepreneurs that uh, basically are looking at uh, one specific population that we serve and or can we serve multiple populations? And I do that on a regular basis. And even now doing that on a regular basis, uh, we have to be able to do that. And so I think those are perceptions we have to manage as well because some folks are trying to get into Washington and to Congress and saying that they needed people who are gonna speak up for them and um, not thinking that there are folks like me and folks like you and who can actually do that and uh, definitely meet the needs and the demands of different markets. Okay, great. And, you know, it was interesting you talked about, um, you know, over in China, when you're thinking about, you know, people had a perception of you that, you know, they ask questions to better understand um, but, you know, at the end of the day, when you left the room, you had a feel for what they felt about you. Yes. And, you know, in business, especially small business, you are your brand and you need to understand what your brand is, but you can't control your brand because it's what people say about you when you're not there. <laughs> so it's it's dependent on their perception how they perceived you you know actually and how they perceive things about you based on the history and experiences um right what are some things that can be done to um create a better perception or a better view um people having a better view of you Okay. I, I think it's almost like our companies. And today I was also talking to the students about having an open system and open, you know, company. And basically, you know, being an open book, very important. And uh, that's how people come to trust you and trust who you are. Having an open book and being very consistent in what you're doing. You know, I, I've, you know, basically have been a consumer for quite a while now and working in Wall Street, I used to go into stores and not really look at the prices or anything like that. But if it was something that I liked, I was going to pick it up and I'm going to buy it. And I'd go back again and again if I was given consistent, you know, personal service, et cetera or the products I was receiving or were consistent. And so that's something that uh, I have been able to manage to be consistent, no matter what uh, culture I'm in, I'm consistent. Again, I stay uh, authentic. And so it's the real me that you get, the real deal that you get, but people can trust uh, what I'm saying because I consistently produce the same way. I consistently serve the same way. 
I can remember down at George Washington University I was working on my doctorate. They had an award. It was a servant leadership award. And my brother and my sister, my sister-in-law came down there for our award day. And as we started to work on our dissertations, moving from that phase of uh, classroom work. And so when they announced the award, my sister basically said, you know, she would have been surprised if anyone else had won that award because it didn't matter who else was in that classroom. She knew who I was. And basically anyone that you speak to in any venue needs to basically be able to say the same thing about you. That's when people gain that trust in you, when you're consistent in what you do, how you do it, why you're doing it, okay? And I think it's the same thing in our business. Uh, we need to be consistent. That's how we build those relationships. And there are going to be relationships that we build that will not be sustainable. And there will be customers that we have that will not continue to come back for one reason or another. But we are, if we are consistently meeting those needs and meeting those demands, if we are looking and seeing what needs to be changed, and that means looking to the outside and uh, getting information from the outside, listening to the voice of our customers, my first job was with uh, KFC, and that was while I was in college and everything. And one of the things they taught us was really the, the customer is always right. And so for me, it's looking at everyone in every situation that I'm in, and even with my family and everything, and looking at them as my customers, and definitely wanting to listen to that voice of the customer in whatever way we need to get that voice of the customer, whichever way they are speaking. We need to find out what that is. So making sure we're getting information from the outside and keeping up to date with what's going on from the outside, the voice of the customer, the voice of the, the stakeholders that we have in our business is very important to us. Okay, great, great. So being consistent, authentic, that helps people to know you, mm -hmm. helps people to trust you. Yes. Uh, helps you people to like you. You know, one other key thing is how you treat others. Um, you know, people don't remember what you said, but they remember how you made them feel. Yes. Um, so, you know, that's something important to, to always keep in mind. Um, so, you know, so th those perceptions are key. You know, one of the perceptions that I find with a lot of entrepreneurs and business owners I work with, and probably same for you because you work with BCDC, is, um, you know, entrepreneurship can be lonely because not a lot of people around you may understand what it means to be an entrepreneur. They may be wondering why you're even doing it. Um, and maybe even your significant other people <laughs> in your family. Um, so. You know, that's another place where it can be important to manage the perception. Uh, and, you know, what did you counsel people to do in, in those types of situations? Well, you know, the United States, uh, I've learned this by teaching international business communications, which I teach almost every week out of the year now uh, with Colorado Tech. And I uh, learned that the United States, we have a culture which is the most individualist culture in the world, okay? When we talk about countries and comparing countries. 
But I've seen this no matter where we are, and we talk about it as entrepreneurs, but definitely in any area of our life, you know, basically, no matter what career we have, we have this culture of being individualist, competitive, etc. And I think that competitiveness makes us much more lonely than we have to be, even as entrepreneurs. You know, if we're looking at people as our competitors, even if they're doing the same thing, selling the same products and services, then we are going to have a lonely, a very lonely life. Okay. But I believe as entrepreneurs, if we build the relationships out there, even with our competitors, even with people who are in the same market we're in, even if they're in the same block, even if they're not right next door to us, building relationships where we're not just looking at them as competitors, but as people who are going to help, help us to grow, help us to change in our business, help us to actually go ahead and push further into, you know, different markets, etc. Help us maybe by joining with us with the capacity we may need in order to get a government contract or something, then it's not going to be lonely. Now, I wouldn't tell you that uh, I don't spend a lot of lonely hours. You know, yesterday I was sitting here and basically doing a lot of grading for school and doing a lot of work by myself and, and doing that by myself right here, but always feeling like uh, I know if I want to talk to someone about something, if I want to get some feedback about something, and if I want to get out there and engage, I can get out there and engage, I can do that. So it doesn't have to be a lonely business. You know, I felt it was more lonely when I was working on my dissertation for my doctorate. I felt like I was out there on the island by myself, you know. But as far as my business is concerned, I keep it going. You know, uh, I'm working with the nonprofits. I'm building bridges between, you know, organizations, building bridges between people who have been out there on their islands by themselves. And some folks have been saying, even up through this week, and we're so glad you're back from China because we had no clue what they were doing down the block there. We had no clue that they had these resources that we can be using here. And you're back and we do this. And even had my friend uh, Vivian Frazier before I left saying that you too kumbaya. But now she's happy I'm very kumbaya and I'm talking and I'm, you know, getting ideas and getting information from folks, finding out what folks want and what they need. And so I think it's a, it doesn't have to be a lonely, you know, business. And this is something that we have to teach, you know, and train people in not just how to, you know, scale up our businesses, but how to scale our relationships as well and our stakeholders and definitely our communities that we're part of. And so we don't have that loneliness. Okay. No, great um, piece. And, and, you know, I, I, where, where you talked about the competitors, you know, I, I always recommend people get to know their competitors, which mm -hmm. sometimes they're hesitant about, yes. you know, like you said, but um, it's beneficial for both you and them. You know, for you sure. can learn things that'll save you time and money and the same thing for them. And, you know, we have this, um, you know, webinar on Thursday talking about how much is your business worth. Hmm. Many times the most likely person to buy your business is your competitor. So it helps to know them right. <laughs> earlier because right. usually you get a better price and, and um, 
it'll be a smoother process. Um, so, um, so I'm glad glad you brought that up and shared shared that because I think that's that's key. Um, you know, you talked about building bridges, um, yes. and you know that that's an important thing, but it it's not necessarily easy when you're building bridges because because there are perceptions and misperceptions many times when you're building bridges to new um new groups new organizations um so you know they talk about emotional intelligence and i think that's one of the key pieces to it so you know when you're building bridges how how do you go about it and and you know what what types of skills does it really take to do that successfully okay so you know coming from wall street banking an african-american woman and um you know you know what we're taught out there that we need to try to break the glass ceiling and definitely trying to get into that managing director position is very tough even though there are so many layers of managing directors in wall street banking um, you know, I found it much easier to build bridges than it is to break glass ceilings. And uh, there are but so many opportunities to reach those positions, so many positions that you can reach uh, when you're trying to break those glass ceilings. Yet, we continuously, you know, try to encourage our African-American women and our men, etc., and our minorities to break these ceilings, glass, glass ceilings. And I believe that in breaking glass ceilings, we wind up with more broken pieces of glass out there, more broken relationships than anything else. But I believe in building bridges. You know, you mentioned emotional intelligence, and I think, um, yes, we still need to do that. And we definitely need to be able to be empathetic with folks and, and put our shoes in our feet in others' shoes. And especially if we're talking about customers and know what they are feeling and what you're thinking and what their needs are. But cultural intelligence is ex extremely important as well. And as I mentioned earlier, you know, this is not just going from one country to another. This is going from one ward in a, of a city to another ward in the city. And this is just, you know, not going to, uh, you know, basically one, um, you know, school or another. Because when I go into different colleges and teaching on different campuses, there are different cultures there. So cultural awareness is extremely important as well. Uh, I believe in building relationships. We definitely need to have that self-awareness first, know who we are and what we're expecting out of life and what we like to do, making sure that we know what our purpose is, okay? And I believe that uh, definitely in building bridges and building relationships, this is how we are definitely going to continue to grow ourselves you know, realizing where we are, learning more about ourselves and learning more about others as well. So I think it's uh, definitely easier for us 
to build those bridges than it is to break those glass ceilings. And definitely, as I mentioned earlier, it's a less lonely place. I think when we get to the top sometimes in those CEO positions, we you know, are very lonely as well. And that's why you find more CEOs getting outside their office and getting out there in the trenches and working with their people. So I think the, the relationship building and understanding the value of relationship, the value of collective action, okay, the value of living harmoniously with people. You know, we see how it is out there when there are fights between those folks down there in D.C. and uh, Republicans versus Democrats. And we sit back there and we just, you know, Monday, Monday morning quarterback those types of things. But we're doing the same things ourselves. So I think we ought to realize that there is more value there. OK, and definitely I tell my students when I walk into a classroom, you're going to learn you know, I'm going to learn more from you than you'll learn from me any day. I'm one person. I've got a whole class of people. I'm going to learn from your, you know, experiences. I'm going to learn from, you know, what your needs and your, your de demands are, et cetera. You know, that's going to help me be a better professor. It's going to help me be a better business person. going to help me to meet your needs and your demands better. So, you know, I think it's very important. And, you know, I think it's easier to again, build those relationships. Excellent, excellent. So, yeah, so definitely, um, you know, those are some key things. Um, got a couple questions from Christine. Um, so we're, we're coming up close to the time frame. So I wanna just get these in real quick, but um, sure. you know, first she asked about, you know, to get a mentor at any stage of the career, what, what do you recommend? Okay. So, you know, my mentor, and I don't think she's on the line tonight, but uh, it's Carla Harris over at Morgan Stanley. Got to meet her a long time ago, it seems, but she helped me so much and uh, helped me in the area of perception management, also helped me in the area of building relationships. She helped me to distinguish between a mentor and a sponsor. She's probably one of the first ones to talk about that. And uh, knowing what you need, okay, where are you and uh, what would you like to develop in and realizing that you're not going to find everything in one person. And, uh, but uh, understanding again first yourself and what do you need? Uh, what do you want to change? What gap do you have between where you are now and where you want to be? And, um, you know, then looking for those uh, mentors in different ways. You know, knowing that they're not always going to come in the same color, not always going to come in the same age, you know, uh, but, you know, they have something that you need to grow in and then that willingness to grow. You know, definitely uh, the, the associations, find out what the association is, you know, that is associated with your career associated with the trends and that you see yourself moving in, you see these industries moving in that you want to be in and definitely looking, you know, for people in those areas, you know, uh, go to those conferences. And so definitely and go into conferences like the Academy of Management, which also includes now uh, practitioners in addition to folks in, in higher ed, you know, is very important. So the networking and again, raising your hand, 
uh, being willing to be vulnerable and talk to people about where you are and what you'd like to change, what you need to change. Yeah. Okay. Cool. And, and one other quick question. Sure. Um, the investment banking can be hard to get into. <laughs> Is there any age cutoff to pivot into it? I don't think there's an age cutoff. And uh, yeah, that would be uh, against the law these days, <laughs> but uh, definitely in that, you know, that's all in jest. But uh, definitely you'll see opportunities. So even with Morgan Stanley Bank, if you've been laid off or if you left the bank for a reason or left investment banking for a reason and you'd like to get back in at different stages, you know, still opportunities. Uh, for mentorships, you know, you know, that you can get uh, with folks in the bank. And also, besides the mentorships and the relationships you can build from the outside, the internships that you can get. And uh, many of our different companies uh, do have those opportunities. You have Morgan Stanley out there. You have Goldman Sachs out there doing things like that as well. And uh, J.P. Morgan Chase. Uh, even with Deutsche Bank, opportunities for me to go back there. Folks said, well, we're starting up with Six Sigma again. Would you like to come back? And, uh, you know, definitely still opportunities to do that. So don't sell yourself short, for one thing. Uh, still have that energy, yes, that you need. Uh, still, you got those skill sets. And definitely, you know, present yourself in a way where people will see those, uh, you know, the value in you no matter what age you are. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. So now, you know, when it comes to perception, it doesn't necessarily have to be perceptions of other people. Um, mm -hmm. it could be your perception of other things. Um, I, I got a message today from, um, you know, I teach you the business planning course for SBDC Rutgers Newark. And, you know, we was teaching finance on Friday for, four hours and uh, <laughs> <laughs> and accounting for four hours oh, boy. Um, but you know one, one of the great things is you know i came out you know he said um you know i really didn't you know didn't like or didn't you know see myself as ever good at finance but now i see it's going to be something that i really enjoy so, you know, sometimes it, your perceptions can hold you back. And they can. They a can. lot of business owners have that perception. That's why in my book, second, the third chapter is, what is my greatest fear? And that's mm -hmm. the fear of many um, business owners. What kind of internal perceptions um, do you see or, or patterns of that tend to hold people back unnecessarily? Yeah. So, you know, um, I, I look at myself and definitely, you know, I'm one that uh, I hated math. And it's like, uh, you know, really, you know, thought I was sucked at it. I was really bad at it until I got to undergrad and uh, basically, you know, um, got the help that I needed, saw things in a different light, started using the tools that were out there. And realizing it's not as hard as it used to be. I felt the same way about statistics. And when I got to my, you know, doctoral um, course, um, actually program, 
and we were in a cohort and uh you know they said oh you're gonna have two stats courses and i said i need to just walk right out of here right now because it ain't gonna work and i saw a lot of other people with the same response and uh we got the help we needed and um you know definitely uh you know we're able to get past that got into six sigma wanted to become a black belt said stats i said oh god you know basically stop selling yourself so short and um this confidence i tell you that my mother instilled in me my mom died when i was 16 so that even helped me more with confidence in myself as i went forward doesn't mean that i wasn't afraid of some things but again, uh, willing to take a chance at different things. You're not going to go in there with all the skills that you need uh, to meet the requirements of any of these jobs. And even not everything that you need in your store. Say if you had a customer that came in there, maybe you don't have everything they want. But uh, again, you know, looking to see, okay, how can I meet that need? How can I meet that demand? How can I get that capacity that I need? Maybe it is going to some competitor or something, but um, not, you know, basically giving up, but uh, going ahead and giving things a chance. And so that's what I've learned to do. Okay. And, um, yeah. Okay. Great. So, you know, time's flying when you're having fun. So we're, we're pretty much there. But before we close out, is there anything else you'd like to share? You know, we talked about some great things. Um, what would you like to leave people with? Well, there are a couple of things. Uh, one is the value of relationship capital. And I think if you are in any of my classrooms or basically if I'm working with you as an entrepreneur, I would tell you that, you know, we, we cry, where is the, you know, finance, financial capital to grow and scale our business? I'll say, if you have the relationships, you're consistent with them and they're sustainable, you will get whatever other capital and resources that you need. So I think that is key and so important. As I mentioned, you know, I've tossed out this whole thing with uh, breaking glass ceilings. I think that we should, you know, just basically uh, go ahead and reframe our thoughts there and do a paradigm shift and uh, look to build more bridges and build more relationships. And uh, definitely there are opportunities globally where you are not basically, um, you know, leaving your country and uh, not loyal to your country. That's not what you're doing when you are building relationships and you're learning about the opportunities that you have uh, in order to grow your business globally and in order to grow uh, individually globally. I think there are great opportunities out there and no matter what age you are, no matter what race, okay, uh, I think there are opportunities in various different lands and uh, yes, I do plan to get to the motherland one day, but definitely, you know, looking at Asia is something that we shouldn't overlook and we should manage our perceptions, go there, Gemba, go there, observe and uh, continue to grow. Okay, great. Well, thank you so much for coming on, sharing. Um, you know, I just want to add a couple things to what we talked about that I really liked. Um, you know, one is, you know, volunteer. Um, you know, don't be afraid of opportunities um, that you don't 
know what they are or right. or don't may not feel you're prepared for yet. You know? Yeah. Um, so you know, building relationships. The world is smaller than ever before. So thank you so much for shedding some light on this, sharing some expertise, some perspective. Um, definitely appreciate having you as a guest. Always appreciate you having having you um, hang out and comment and ask questions as well. And um, you know, you're doing great things and um, definitely make sure you, you continue to do that. Um, if you can hang on for a minute, um, sure. and we're gonna close out. Um, so once again, you know, great session. I'm glad to have Dr. Michelle Scott here talking about really, you know, managing perceptions because that can, you know, create additional opportunities for you, but it also can turn off opportunities that might be there for you if you don't manage them um, successfully. So, um, you know, hopefully you're taking away something valuable from what we talked about. Definitely always remember that at the end of the day, the more that you know, the faster your business is going to grow. Thank you for listening to Leadership Live at 805, Talking Small Business. Subscribe to our YouTube channel and to the podcast on your favorite podcast platform. Leadership Live is one of the many valuable resources provided through the Small Business Pro University, empowering business owners to learn, profit, and grow. Find out more at sbprou.com.